0: Computer Report readers and listeners to another edition of the Pew Report podcast. I'm Scott Reynolds. Alongside me is Mark Cook from PewterReport.com and our special guest, Greg Allman from The Athletic, who covers all things Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just like the the both of us do. Greg, it's awesome to have you here. Thanks for joining the Pewter Report podcast today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me on. Hope you guys are doing well. Yes,
0: um, and and we, we want to kind of let everybody know that uh, in addition to covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the Athletic, uh, you're not just Greg Alman, you're Greg Author. You've got a new book coming out. You and Joey Johnson, uh, formerly of the of the, there it is right there, Tampa Bay. How about that, Tampa Bay? So let, let's let's kind of uh, dive a, a few minutes uh, uh, into the book and and really, how did that come about?
1: Uh, very much kind of at the last minute. Um, it's from a company called Triumph Books uh, that does these books for championships and all the major sports. And um, once it gets close enough where there's only a handful of teams left, they kind of reach out and set up contingency plans with different teams. And I'm, I think there was a, a chief's book that was very much in the works and the same process goes along. And then one team wins and they get the book and the other team doesn't win and they, they don't have the book. So, no, Joey Johnston and I got to write it. Uh, very busy couple weeks. Uh, but really neat to see it come together. It was it was kind of complete. This would have been a wild uh, month or so with the Bucks and the Super Bowl and everything all by itself. But having a book on top of everything else uh, made it a whole, a whole nother deal. So it's been fun. And now to be able to walk into a store and have the book there. I, I've never written a book before. So this is a whole new thing for me. Uh, but it's been fun. I imagine
2: that is cool to see your, see your book on the shelf, Greg. I, I did some freelance writing for some magazines and it it is a, it is a thrill, man. It is an ego boost when I would walk into a Barnes and Nobles and there would be the magazine that I wrote for, you know, a cover story or something, but a book is completely different. Now, people don't know this, but this is actually your second book. Your first book was a collection of English uh, poetry pre 1700. (laughs) If you could talk about that book a little bit. I actually have um, from like, I think it's.
1: Fourth grade, fifth grade, uh, we had a class, we had a really cool deal in elementary school where you got to write your own book like and it was it it's, it's hard hardbound. I still have it uh, like somewhere in a box in my bedroom, but I did like the driest book you can imagine. It like you think Greg Stat I did a book called The Wonder of Baseball Cards, which <laughs> which literally I just took like my 1985 Top Set and and just literally wrote about like. Here are the 10 people with the most active career home runs. And here are the 10 people. Willie Wilson had 19 triples in 1981. And that's all it is, is just stat after stat. And whatever I'm guilty of now, it's like 10 times worse as an 11-year-old or whatever the hell I was. Um, But I had this book. It's it's an orange. It's a little tiny, little orange book. It's like 30 pages. I, I had like the illustrations, and it's like a stick figure holding a bat. and it's. But that's all I had. Uh, Up
2: until now. So now I have this. And this obviously is the production value is a little stronger. So it's nice that way. Greg, the first question, and I think that most people would want to know is when I saw that you had the book coming out, like literally right when the Super Bowl was over, what the hell happens if they wouldn't have won the Super Bowl? Is that like those T-shirts that get sent to third world countries with the, you know, I mean, what happens (laughs) to the book at that point?
1: It's like you you, you sign a contract um, based on two different levels. And one has what's called a kill fee. Um, so, like Joey and I had written literally all but two stories in the book before the Super Bowl. That way, they can proof it and edit it and have it all ready to go. And, and literally, it went to the printers like six a.m. that Monday morning in order to be on in stores like Friday. Um, so, like by contract, I had my I had my story in by five hours after the end of the game. So, like the game ended, I wrote down like three fifteen a.m. as my deadline. Wow. Um, and, and basically, what happens is there's there's two books that are ninety percent done. And one goes away and the other one gets published. So it's funny, Joey, Joey Johnson was in the same position with the Rays. And of course, he had Kevin Cash go out to the mound and pull him. In. And so I felt like from a karma standpoint, I had Joey working in my favor because he had gotten all the way there and then right. had it kind of slip out away from him. So it would have been cruel to have that happen to him twice, I think.
0: Well, that's awesome. That's going to be a great revenue generator for you and your family, Greg, and we're excited about that. We have our own revenue generator here on uh, the Peter Report podcast. Uh, it's our good friends at Celsius. So if you'll please indulge me, I've got this cool little video to play for everybody. Greg, if you never had a Celsius, it's the energy drink of choice at pewterreport.com. It's I fantastic. went to the
1: fridge to try and get one. My daughter drinks Celsius. There you go. Um,
0: Excellent. And we I thought it. we had one in the
1: fridge. I was going to totally unsolicited have one and just, oh, it's good. She loves that's it. Uh, there's like a peach mango, peach yes. passion fruit that's her flavor of choice.
0: Exactly. Well, they come in, in a, a ton of variety of flavors. Celsius powers active everyday lives with essential Functional energy. I had the grape today. It's already gone. If you want to buy Celsius in bulk, that's the best way to do it. It's also the cheapest. Go to peterreport.com, click on the Celsius banners. They're going to take you to Amazon. You can buy them in bulk. And uh, that is the way to shop. So, uh, Greg, um, you know, we, I, I threw up a, a banner here. I'm going to do it again for you um, because I, I'm, I'm excited to to read this book. The great thing about this is you can get your copy of Champa Bay, great collectible to commemorate the Buccaneers Super Bowl. Fifty-five win written by yourself and Joey Johnston with the four by Ronde Barber. And let's let's talk about that in a quick second. It's available at Triumph Books, Amazon, Barnes, and Noble or wherever books are sold. Makes a great birthday gift, anniversary gift, Father's Day gift. Order yours today. So how did how did Ronde Barber come into the mix? And and certainly a great authority to talk about Buck Super Bowls. He was the catalyst for the one back in two thousand two.
1: Yeah, it was really neat to get him in terms of lending credibility to a book. It's it's awesome that way. Uh, Joey kind of brokered that on the on the end with Randy. Obviously, he, he and Rondy go back a long way. Yeah, uh, and it was great. Again, it's one of those where you have to approach them with like, the, hey, if the Bucks win, we're gonna have a book, and we'd love to have you write something for it. And and it's hard to to write things ahead of time and have things at the ready. But Randy was great, and, and I thought had a great perspective on you know this first championship and and what it means to have waited so long. And obviously, he's been in Tampa ever since. So I think he knows how long Bucks fans have been waiting and hoping for, for the kind of run they had here this season. So let's let's rewind to, to
0: 2020. We'll spend a little bit of time talking about 2020. It's almost old news because everybody's on to, to their mock drafts. We have our own up here at com that have come out. Free agency is really just around the corner. It's crazy to think that these five extra weeks we've all been working covering the Buccaneers, usually the season ends you know, right around the first time. Yeah. January. <laughs> Um, but now all of a sudden we're literally weeks away from the NFL offseason where it used to be months away. But um, what was your initial prediction for the 2020 season and, and how far did you see this team going? I'm on record as saying <clears throat> 10 and 6 with with maybe a one and done in the playoffs or maybe maybe getting through the first round onto the second round. But I always envision 2021 being the breakout year for the Buccaneers. Uh Mark, what was your prediction? And then uh, Greg, let's let's hear how you uh how you you saw the 2020 landscape.
2: Well, I'm I'm always the over optimistic guy. So I think I was at twelve wins, maybe thirteen. I can't remember, but I was also I mean, at 12, twelve wins.
0: Four, 12, yeah, twelve and four.
2: Yeah, I, I was also at twelve wins uh in twenty nineteen. <laughs> so that didn't exactly pan out. But um I was pretty close on this one. You know, I I I again like you, Scott, thought that this was all work towards. The 2021 season, and and they were playing with house money this year. And okay, however far they go is great. We knew they were going to improve over seven and nine, just based on the fact that we knew there was not going to be thirty interceptions this year, and the turnover numbers were going to come down. But uh, I I I'm not going to lie. If if I thought that they were going to win the Super Bowl, I would have put some money on them in Vegas, like my good buddy Spencer did, uh, who uh, who who made quite a quite a quite an investment, um, you know, ten months ago in Vegas. But anyway, that was my prediction. I think twelve and four this year.
1: Yeah, I think I was somewhere. It's like, you know, you have different levels of predictions. I think, like, the first preseason prediction we did, I think I said nine and seven. I think I did 10 and six like after the schedule was out and we had to do like a game by game prediction. And honestly, I mean, in terms of the regular season, they were kind of what I thought they would be. I I knew they would be improved. I knew they would be a playoff team. I didn't think they'd be better than the saints. Um, So I thought they'd be a wild card. And I think what I usually said, you you know, you do these radio hits. They always want a prediction is that if you get in the playoffs and Tom Brady is your quarterback, uh, a lot of good things can happen from there, uh, which obviously You know, is what happened here in the last, whatever, six weeks. So I definitely didn't see, even as this happened, I don't think until they, I don't think until they won in Green Bay that I really think that was going to be there for it. And honestly, you know, once, once they got to the Super Bowl, I, I certainly didn't expect them to win as easily and as dominantly as they did yeah. um i was thinking a higher scoring game i was thinking like 38 35 or something like that like a lot of people if you if you know people that picked my i think my dad i talked to my dad and my dad my dad's cute he'll write down the score before the game and i'll have my mom write down the score and my dad picked like 45 24 for the bucks i mean he's oh, wow. for whatever reason he saw something not many of us did um, And he had them like winning by 20 points. He totally had to come and he kept a piece of paper. So I was like, oh, you're the only person I know that that really was all in on them to win and, and win going away like
2: that. Greg, you know, you, you talk about, you know, Tom Brady, if you get in the playoffs with Tom Brady as your quarterback, uh, good things can happen. You know, the crazy thing is when you look back on it now, here we are you know, a week and a half past the Super Bowl It really was the defense in the playoffs. I mean, Tom Brady played good, right? He played fine. And and listen, it was the Tom Brady effect that elevated everybody on the entire roster. I don't think we can underestimate the power of Tom Brady. But without the, 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 the transformation of this defense late in the season, particularly after that Washington game. And again, we throw that out the window. Nobody knew who Taylor Heineke was. Nobody knew what he was going to do. They were just like, let's just get through this game. We don't know what's going to happen. We'll play soft. We'll keep it in front of us, and we'll outscore him. I think that was the mindset of the team. But once they got to the Saints, it was just brilliant game planning and execution by the team um, You know, in the next three games, in the New Orleans game, in the Green Bay game, and, and particularly in that game in the, in the Super Bowl. So while Tom Brady was a huge part of it, Without that defense, it doesn't matter that Tom Brady's the, the quarterback there. I don't think. I think. Uh, I, I think. I think the, the Buccaneers don't win the Super Bowl without the way the defense played the last three weeks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's like when I, when I was writing that night from from the Super Bowl, I, we wrote about the other TB. where are like, this, as much as this was TB and TB, this was about Todd Bowles. This was about, you know, I think that the idea that oh, Tom Brady threw for three touchdowns in a playoff game, you expect that. What, what you don't expect is just this complete dismantling of such a potent offense, especially just in the context of of Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, back to back to back. That's three Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks, okay? And you ended all of their seasons with multiple turnovers. I mean, you go back to, you know, New Orleans, and, you know, Brees throws three picks, and they have four turnovers. And then you go to Green Bay, and, I mean, Rodgers had a pretty good game against them. But yeah. twice, yeah. twice you stopped him inside the ten, including with the game on the line, and that's exactly an awesome five NCAA. times, right? Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, and again, so and also that that kind of paved the way for hey, if you can get your opponent to be down a tackle or two, that helps, right? Right, and and absolutely set things up for the Chiefs, and it, it's it, you if you're a Kansas City fan, you can absolutely say, gosh, it'd be neat to know what this game would have been like if they had healthy tackles, but they didn't. So it all that matters is what happened on that day. Yeah. And that was absolutely a new vulnerability that the Bucs just exploited as much as you could. Um, the, the the single coolest stat from that game is the whole deal where Patrick Mahomes ran for like 495 yards in trying to get away from sacks, <laughs> yeah. which you just like you felt bad for him already, and then you're like, wow, that's that's a lot of scrambling. Yeah. And there were so yeah. many throws where it seemed like he was just going and throwing as he hit the sideline. And fortunately for him, there were like three of those that were still amazing throws that just went off face masks incomplete. Yeah, when you were. Well, I I should
0: say before we transition to to 2021, because I think that's what everyone's kind of like wanting to to get your Uh, perspective on. the the passing of of Vincent Jackson surprised everybody yesterday shocked and and saddened us all. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that when you, when you see the news come across Twitter or wherever you, you absorb that information, you're, you're like, why, how, like this, this can't be real. Right. Um, uh, what were your thoughts on, on hearing the news and then also just on on uncovering Vincent Jackson and, and what, you know what that was was like that relationship that, that you guys had and and, uh, and and the loss that that the Buccaneers and the community feels.
1: Yeah, it was, it was strange for me. I had uh, a guy reach out to me on Twitter and DM me. Um, it's probably two hours before we knew, and messaged and said, "Hey, I don't know if you heard anything. I, I'm hearing some really really terrible things about Vincent Jackson." And I was just like, "Well, what do you mean?" Like I, at first, you're thinking it's like arrest or why? What would what would this be? And like, no, I'm, I'm hearing he's dead. And it's, it's kind of like you, you, you kind of look around and you're searching for something and, and you, it wasn't to the point where you'd like call the restaurant or, or call DM the charity and say, Hey, is Vincent okay? Yeah. And then in the time you've kind of put it to rest in your mind, there it was. And it, again, it, it's in terms of just out of nowhere, um, just, just incredibly sad to think about. We, we don't know kind of what, happened in the last month of his life that would put him to be staying in a hotel on his own and then distance enough where his family was filing missing persons report in the last week. Uh, and you hate to see it just because yeah. there was, you know, I, I cannot imagine uh, a bucks player in the last decade or so who has better handled the difficult transition from playing and retiring to moving on to another career and, and yeah. starting and yeah. having the same passion for whatever else you do, because it's, it's very unique and that these guys are, are like Vincent, they're 34 years old when they retire and you still have so much of a life ahead of you yeah. and you yeah. lose what has been your motivation and your daily spark for all of your adult life. And it's gone. Right. And you and you lose the, support system of having a, a locker room of 50 guys that you know you go to battle with every week yeah, that camaraderie. You can talk to right it just it, it's like you have 50 great friends and then all of a sudden you're on your own mm-hmm. um, and, and again I thought Vincent done such a good job with the restaurant with his charity work with yeah. Yeah, yeah. CTV and and the real estate work he did to have a whole lot of really cool irons in the fire all at once still kind of in the public eye still very much engaging with people on social media um and and you hate again you don't know how people are and what they're dealing with on their own privately um so it breaks your heart that whatever he's going through that this is the way things end for him at only 38 years old um yeah Yeah. you know covering the, the
0: buccaneers i have I've come to realize that the only difference between myself and any Buccaneer player is three things. Now these are three big things, keep in mind, but there are three things. Number one, they're better athletes, right? Number two, they get paid a lot more money. And number three, they're on TV. But really other than that, uh, you know, these, these people have problems with their kids. They go through divorce, their parents die. They go through bankruptcy. You know, there's all sorts of a myriad of problems. They go through health problems, not related to football, you know, and, um, and and they are just they're, they're people, and and they go through different things. And like you said, it, it's it's so difficult because a lot of these guys they start at the pop Warner in the Pee Wee League. They play football. It is their life because that they've been doing it since since they were children. And 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 that transition. And I agree with you. I agree with everything you said. The transition he made appeared to be seamless and smooth to the post football life. We don't know what what transpired, like you said, but. But it's very sad nonetheless. Oh, yeah. Right and now. again, I think
1: all, all of us, I think we kind of have the, it's kind of like athletes and actors and, and we see one version of them right. and you don't right. always know what they're dealing with on their own at home, in private. I think all of us kind of have our Facebook lives where everyone's smiling and everyone's getting along and it's great. And we all have things we have to deal with, um, obviously some more serious than others. But yeah, it's just your heartbreaks. Like I said, if if Vincent can teach us anything, it, it's just to make the extra phone call, to reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in a while, uh, make sure they know that you're thinking of them, that they have people that are thinking of them. Uh, again, we don't know what happened with Vincent here, but it right. it just right. it it sounds like the kind of thing you'd you'd want to do everything to avoid if you could.
2: Yeah, no doubt yeah great great guy um you know we all you know enjoyed covering him in the locker room and i jokingly said on the podcast yesterday not to make light of the situation and i wasn't but you know vincent was a guy that you know he spoke once a week he was kind of the guy he and gerald were the face <laughs> yep he yep. were the they those were the two faces of the franchise there for a long time this guy came into uh the greg shiano era uh went through uh you know lovey smith and uh i think he had one year with Dirk cutter if i remember um you know markets arroyo i mean a lot of offensive coordinators and he produced on the field but he was always a stand-up guy and the thing you know besides him being a stand-up guy in the locker room and speaking to us once a week was his interaction with with the fans that's the thing that i've noticed and so many people have posted pictures of him yeah. outside of football but but you know at training camp practices and things like that and i've got a video up with a friend of mine coach al who uh was a military guy and really loved vincent and, and coach al passed away not long after his meeting with vincent and vincent was always you know how's the family doing i mean he just he he remembered coach al even after coach al passed away that was just the kind of guy he was thought about other people a lot um you know, you're right, Greg. We, we Maybe we need to check on those people, too. You know, we, we, we let those athletes and stars kind of check on us, essentially, or the community. And maybe uh, we need to spend a little bit more time making sure they're okay as well, whether it's athletes or, or just our own friends and family. But anyway, well said, Greg. Rest in peace, Vincent. Uh, great guy. And uh, prayers certainly to his family, uh, his wife and his children. And uh, I, I believe his parents may yeah. still be alive.
1: Yeah, and I was I was writing today about Vincent, and again, it's you think about Lindsay and their four kids, and, and as a community here in Tampa, we have to be there for his family the way he was for so many families. Um, mm-hmm. So much of what he did was reaching out to military families that had a dad yeah. serving yeah. overseas, or worse yet, a dad that didn't come back from serving overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I I hope that she knows that there's such a, an extended support structure of all the people here in town that cared about Vincent, that care about. Her and the kids, and uh, it's unimaginably hard to go through what they're doing, but they've got a lot of people to help them with that.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so you know, going from from that that somber discussion because it, it has to be because he was such a beloved figure and and really a great Buccaneer player, uh, one of the best free agent acquisitions of all time. His franchise has not yeah. had a lot of great ones, but he was a great one, and uh, you know he's up there with with the Hardy Nickersons. And unfortunately, he didn't get to see the wins that some of these free agent acquisitions like the Rob Gronkowski's, the Tom Brady's, uh, you know, got got to see even Hardy Nickerson back in the day. Um, It took him a while, but he helped groom the likes of Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and Ronde Barber and John Lynch into becoming that Super Bowl team. And now here, the, the present day Buccaneers are fresh off of a Super Bowl. What is the likelihood that they can repeat, Greg? And of course, it starts with keeping this band together. So let me ask you. Of all of these pending free agents, and there's a round, you know, depending on playing time, you could kind of say Antonio Brown is a starter. You could kind of say Leonard Fournette's a starter. But with, with about with about 10 starters due to hit free agency, what is the likelihood that they can keep this band together? And if, if you were playing general manager Jason Light, you know, who would you prioritize over, you know, over others?
1: Yeah, it's tricky. I think everybody kind of looks at it in tiers, and I think you have three at the very top uh, with Chris Godwin and Levante David and Shaq Barrett as kind of the big three, high dollar, maybe all three among the top 20 free agents, period, in the NFL this year. Um, yeah. And it's a challenge to keep all three. And then you have kind of that second tier of Gronkowski and Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette and Dominican Sue. And even I would put even like Ryan Suckup in that second tier almost as consistent as he was. So hey. I don't know. Wait, is it, is, is it six sure out of those Ryan eight?
0: Suckup. He's tier one to me. I've seen enough crappy <laughs> kicking in Tampa Bay. Ryan Suckup. Is definitely tier yeah. one, but but continue.
1: I, I was telling somebody of the of the most unforgivable things would be if they if they quibble on dollars with suck up and he yeah. goes somewhere else and they start the whole process over again. And there's some guy that misses a kick in week one. Yeah. And right. it's all over again. And Suck yeah. Up goes yeah. and, and goes, you know, twenty nine of thirty-one for somebody next year. Um so no, it, it's tricky in that you can't you literally can't keep all those guys. And there's somebody right now, um, that we think of as indispensable and absolutely a core player from this team that will probably be gone, whether it's one of those free agents or somebody they cut to make room for those free agents. I think they can franchise Chris Godwin and make that really easy. I feel like Chris of that whole gang we mentioned, I feel like Chris is the one that you can legitimately say is still ascending is still getting better and on the way up Um, everybody else. I think you you're wondering whether they'll perform at the same level. You just paid them to play at. Yeah. And, and that's tricky because that's the, the whole art of this is, is knowing when to walk away from players. And, and this team hasn't always done it uh, delicately. Mm-hmm. A, a guy like Levante, I keep saying you, you want for Levante's sake for him to be able to be Derek Brooks and not Warren Sapp or John Lynch. And it's but, just a matter sure. of finding that middle ground where you're able to stay here and be another Ronde, another iconic player that gets to play your entire career in one place but he wants to get paid too. I mean, it's tough because sure. he's a 31-year-old inside linebacker. Those don't get paid a whole lot. But um, what we'll be curious to see is is what which guys get done before that window of negotiation starts. Because once that starts, um, again, like at this time last year, we're worried about Jameis Winston getting to that window and, oh, they might lose him if they let things go that way. So these things that are terrible, impossible things to consider now – two months from now might say, oh, sorry, that's too bad to get that guy. I mean, I look at Leonard Fournette and Mm is completely crucial as he was to the Bucs postseason, like Track has his market value at four years and $32 million. And if that's the case, if that's the case, the Bucs are going to wish him well and thank him again for an amazing month of playoff football. Um, And he's going to go somewhere and potentially do great. I just don't think it's in the Bucs' plans to – to pay Leonard Fournette that much money, even even if he's another guy who who could be better next year than he was this year, I don't I don't think that's in the plans. Antonio Brown, I think if Antonio Brown wants to come back on a real similar deal to what he got, kind of a low end, you know them, they know you. Here's to being surrounded by people that vouch for you and trust you and believe in you. He's going to have to balance that against other teams. They're going to offer him more. But it could be a Raiders situation. It could be a Patriots situation. You don't yeah. really know what you're yeah. getting into. So that's a tough decision. Um, you know, Sue, I think Sue's probably just going to either retire or, or stay with the Bucs. I think he probably will know that he's probably going to get a little bit less than he did this year right. just because he's, right. he's 34 years old and eventually things start to diminish there. But I think, uh, you know, to talk to these you – Gronkowski know, the same way. My, my thing with Gronk is that I, I don't know who the Bucs are competing yeah. against. If Tom Brady's here, I don't know that he wants to go start with somebody else. And I mean, I think this has gone so well for him to have a new situation and have it work out well from a chemistry standpoint when he came in and basically knew one person. So I think even if he went somewhere that had like an old Patriots assistant or somebody who know he knows, it's so much of an unknown that I I, I think he's in that group where it's going to be Brady or retire, I think. And now it's just a matter of, of the bucks working things out and saying, hey, you made $10 million last year. Do you need to make $10 million again this year? I mean, this was right. this was kind of a fun thing. This was kind of a cool thing. If you want to go somewhere else and, and roll the dice to somebody else, you probably can make more money. But is that what you want? So I'll be like I said, there's definitely each of these free agents is a different dynamic and a different situation. And you can't know. What they're I mean, for some of these guys, maybe they got a ring here. Maybe they're happy. Maybe they can go somewhere else. There's going to be kind of that Dexter Jackson, this group where somebody floors them with an offer to go somewhere else. And if you get offered double what everybody else is offering you, I can't really fault you for taking money. That's going to you know, change your grandkids, grandkids live that life. That's fine. I don't mind that. That, uh, There's no problem with that. If you want to go do that, they just want a ring here. They've had a really special season as cool as it is to go for two. Um, I'm not going to fault anybody that wants to leave and go do something somewhere else.
0: Let's circle back around to David for a second here, Greg. And obviously, Devin White's still under his rookie deal. He's not a free agent. I don't want to get confused. But if just from a pure roster standpoint, put put aside the money and everything, just from a pure roster standpoint, if you had to keep one linebacker, Levante, David, or Devin White, which one's it going to be?
1: I mean, I think just, just from upside, you, you'd keep Devin right now just because he's right. so young and, again, on the rise and still just figuring out. And, I mean, he's, he's, the, he's the, the splashy guy.
0: And I'm not to right. say that Levante can't make splash plays, but right. Levante this year was not nearly as splashy as he was in previous years, right? He right. Was Oh, no. And
1: if you look anything. at him, I mean, and you can make a case that Levante being there helps free up Devin White to make the plays he does. Right. These aren't two guys that operate in a vacuum. One very much helps the other and vice versa. But, yeah, if you're choosing between it's tough. Because, I mean, Levante just finished a deal where he was making $10 million a year. Yeah. And he got yeah. that deal when he was 26. So that's very much in that Godwin role where it's like, wow, you can get the next best five years of his career. There's not a lot of 31-year-old middle linebackers, inside linebackers in the NFL. And as much as Levante has earned the right – to finish his career here to go out on his own terms, that doesn't coincide with being paid as a top-tier linebacker necessarily. Right, so right. if you look at at what deals are the comp deals for him, you know, you look at what I think Demario Davis just got like three years and 27 million from the Saints. And Demario I think was a year younger than Levante is now when he got that deal. So mm-hmm. it's tough because they're inside linebackers that are making 15, 17 million dollars a year. And Levante Again, if he went anywhere, he would make that defense better. He would instantly bring a leadership and a a core central presence to any defense he went to. So you can see why if you were a good team that wanted to be a great defense, you'd want to just throw an absolute three years, $50 million offer at Levante David. Again, does does he want to do that? Does he want to take the risk of finishing his career somewhere else? It's what Brady just did, and it went awesomely for him. Don't get me wrong.
0: But I don't and know that always works game out game that way.
1: But probably right here in Tampa. You what? I said his best chances of repeating right here in Tampa. Right. Oh, no. There's nowhere he's going to go where he – I mean, it used to be, you know, they left Tampa because they wanted to go win. Well, right now, that, that's, that's working in the Bucks' favor. I mean, they're, they're a top-five team in terms of odds and, and realistic chances to have a deep playoff run. I mean, I think they probably know in Tampa – then New Orleans is in a much different boat right now. New Orleans is going to have a new quarterback. They're going to have to crazy, crazy salary cup cuts. So, I mean, I think if you're the Bucs, you have to think of the NFC South as being yours for the taking in 2021. And that means a much easier playoff path. That means home games, if not a buy in the playoffs. And whether you take advantage of that, whether you can win in the playoffs or not, it's definitely an easier path than what you just pulled off. Yeah, when you look at, at um,
0: it, it not just the players that you, that you have to keep. And the Buccaneers, they've got around $30 million or so to, to play with, maybe a little bit less now, uh, with the salary cap room. That's better than than, than most. Uh, certainly, uh, it's it's one of the more enviable positions in the NFC South. Having said that, though, there are ways that they can create more cap room. You look at maybe Will Golston's contract. You look at Cameron Braid's contract. Those guys are – are, are a bit uh, in jeopardy, I think, this offseason, just because, you know, do you? I mean, as, as great as Cam Brake played this year and his role, you know, he's the number three tight end on the totem pole. If Grant comes back and OJ Howard returns for his fifth year option, and Will Golston, I, I love Will. I think he's a great role player. Um, but you have to, you know, that that's not, if you were to look at the hierarchy of all of the players on defense and number of those positions you know 1 through 11 in terms of the starters you know that 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 five technique uh 3 4 defensive end is down there like around 8 9 10 11 in terms of of that uh so that that puts him in a little bit of jeopardy Are those two guys that you see as as being candidates for pay cuts or maybe even uh, removal from the roster yeah. and, if, and if if there's other names you know who else was is in that that boat.
1: Yeah, we just had a fight. We just did something. at The Athletic will do something where like all 32 writers will chime in on something. So we just did collectively all the uh, potential cap cuts that could be coming across the league. And again, for some teams, it, it's one or two names. For some teams, it's it's a lot of names. Yeah. And, and I, I started the list with Brate just because Brate already took a pay cut last year. So I, I think of that $6 million number for him as a, a fake number right now. I think... If you were willing to take six and go to four last year, you'd probably do the same thing again. Um, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but I think if that was the case, it would be fine. I still don't know if it works out because, again, if you have to make budgetary decisions, paying three tight ends, uh, even four to six million dollars is a lot. So I I don't know if that means he gets cut or if he gets traded or if he takes a pay cut. I, I just don't see him with his current contract. Being part of this moving forward, and, they, and they've um, kept
2: Tanner Hudson on this roster for a while for, for yeah. a couple of years now. And again, I, I'm I don't want to say Tanner Hudson is Cameron Brait, but uh, neither He's one not. of them are exceptional blockers. Um, right. We know we know Tanner can catch the ball. You know, is four million dollars if they if 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 that's what they're thinking to keep Cam Brait um, on a salary reduction though. Is that still? You know, is that still worth it uh for your third tight end? Because O.J. Howard is going to be back, and and presumably Rob Gronkowski as well. So, uh, right, that's, and we that's saw like, money like, to pay for your for for your third for your third tight end.
1: Right, and like this year, I think we saw the value. Like the Bucks had so many positions where they kind of just had insulation from injuries as depth. You know, like they didn't need to have Shady McCoy, but he was there if somebody went down. They didn't. I mean, Brait looks really smart because when they lost OJ Howard, they had another tight end who could step in and be a 30 catch tight end and step in seamlessly, you know? And I think you saw that with, you know, Steve McClendon being there for Vita Veya and a guy like Ross Cockrell being there to step in. They had functional depth and you have to pay for that. I just think having it a tight end is probably a bit of a luxury. Um, so yeah, I mean, we mentioned Bray. When I put it in there, and this the, whatever yesterday, um, the two that are really intriguing is on the offensive line and saying, okay, how much did Donovan Smith and Ryan Jensen do to help keep themselves on this roster when they have no guaranteed money this year? Because to me, if you have no guaranteed money, you're basically like a free agent. It's like, they're making the decision to keep you or to walk away and lose nothing. Um, Yeah. And again, like if you go back to like November, it didn't look real good for Donovan Smith playing the third year of his contract. I think he's helped himself tremendously. I think he had a great postseason. If, if things are tight money wise, though, you could definitely walk away from him, even though, you know, he's going to go be a starter. He's probably going to make that much money on the open market Don't for somebody less. else. Yeah. Um, but if you if you have to save money, if you know you can't keep everybody and you have an outstanding right tackle in Tristan worse that you think could be a great left tackle. Now you free up 14 million. You have a left tackle. You either draft or sign for much less a right tackle. You know you're probably not as good, but it allows you to be better in another position. Ryan Jensen's the same way. I felt like Ryan Jensen was absolutely the leader and the guy that set the tone for the toughness of this offensive line all season. But he's due to make ten million dollars, and like I mean, PFF had him as like the number 19 center in the NFL. I think he's better than that. But if you have somebody else that you have in mind that that would be much less. It's another way you can save money. It's not that he's not deserving of being on the roster. It's that right now you're evaluating contracts as much as you are players. So Will Golston the same way. I think Will Golston had a great year, got to the quarterback, double as much as he has at any point in his career, is thriving in this defense. But if he's due to make $5.5 million, it's another decision you have to make. And I think he's made it much harder for them. But I think anybody who has no guaranteed money in their contract, you have to treat like a free agent and you have to prioritize and say – does keeping Will Golston mean we lose Shaq Barrett or does keeping and and Sue mean ultimately we can't keep Carlton Davis a year from now. Those are all things they have to decide. Um, I think all those guys have played well. There's not easy cuts on this team. There's nobody that's just stealing money. Right. Okay. Yeah. There's just guys that, that if you have to make decisions based on money, you're going to do it based on what your loss is when you have to move on from somebody. And for yeah. the Bucs, that's how they do their contracts, where if you yeah. need to part ways, it, as cold as it is, everybody has a point where uh, where you can move on. And, right. and it'll and be tough. There are names that we're probably not even talking about that are being discussed by the Bucks right now as, as ways for them to get everybody under the cap.
0: And I think Jason Light and, and Mike Greenberg have done a really good job of kind of drawing that proverbial red line in the sand and say, we're, we're not going to go over over this this amount to bring in other uh, or I should say to to re-sign guys, and and they also do that to bring in players. You mentioned Donovan Smith, and and I, I agree with you. I I think that that uh, that he really helped his his case, and and I it's tough, right? Because the Buccaneers they have three offensive linemen that make ten million dollars or more, and Jensen, Ali Marpet, and Donovan Smith. Now the, the one thing about Smith that I think also helps his cause, in addition to his play, is that he is the insurance policy. For for Tom Brady's uh, blindside, you know, and he's playing well. If, so Brady's going to be back for another year or two. Uh, even if you if you project wharfs over to left tackle and draft a right right tackle, he just doesn't have that that experience on that side like Donovan Smith has. So I think for the insurance reason, I think that he's coming back. And and Mark, uh, if if I were to to insure Tom Brady's blindside, and I wouldn't go to Donovan Smith, where would I go for that insurance, Mark?
2: Well, I mean, they insure almost everything. Now, I don't know if they insure football players' personal backsides But if they did, Briar Greaves would be the place to go, Greg. Briar Greaves has been in Tampa for over 30 years. They're huge Buccaneer fans. And, Greg, what's great about them is they give you that personal touch. You're just not a number or a policy number. Briar Greaves called me last spring and just asked me how my homeowner's policy was doing. If I was happy with everything, did we need to review coverage? It's just out of the blue. You're not going to get that with the big box company. And so I always tell people to go to Briar Greaves. And, Greg, you have got a young driver in the house now.
1: Almost two. Oh, my gosh. Almost Almost two. two.
2: You know, why not just call Briar Reeves and shop around your auto insurance rates? It doesn't hurt anything. Same thing with your homeowners. It doesn't cost a thing to call Briar or Sam Greaves. And and, and just check up on your policy. Find out if you're getting the best rate on your homeowners, the best rate on your auto, best uh, best rate on liability insurance. Maybe you've got a $2 million boat like Tom Brady. I don't know, Greg. I know the athletic pays you a lot of money. That's why you left the Times, clearly. But um, – Just kidding. But in uh, and, and the book, I mean, you're going to make several million dollars with the book. So anyway, you need to protect your family, and Briar Greaves is a place to do it. Scott, tell them how they can reach Briar Greaves if they want to give them a call. Briar or Sam, either one.
0: It's really simple. Go to briargreavesinsurance.com or give Briar and Sam a call at 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166. Greg, listen, um, we, we really appreciate uh, you coming on and, and talking some Bucks football. It was fun. Of course.
1: Uh, was,
0: was it a surreal experience for you sitting there at Raymond James Stadium of all places, right, where, where we've watched these right. Buccaneers play half their games, and all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl? In some ways, to me, it felt like another Bucks game. In other ways, it felt like cer- certainly so much more being the Super Bowl. But it was just really, really weird and cool but weird seeing them win the Super Bowl at Ray J as opposed to some other
1: location. It was wild. I I didn't, there were points where I didn't even recognize Ray J. Like, I I don't know about you guys, but like the walk up to the stadium before the game, like they had so much in the, in the South, whichever parking lot that is in one end, there was so much like tented and fences and like an entire infrastructure set up. That's normally nothing at all. And there's all these buildings and there's trucks everywhere. And there's people walking around and it felt like you were at a different stadium. Like it's like the, the path you took to get to the press box, you went up to the top level, you walked across the 300 yeah. level back downstairs. And I was watching like the mic'd up portion, like the NFL film stuff is so awesome from this game yeah. to be able to hear yeah. the players and everything. But like, they were, there was a point where they came out of the tunnel and I had that, like, where the hell was this game played at? And I had to like stop myself. like, that's, that was Tampa. Like that, that was here. Um, I think so much of that buildup was such a blur um, that you forget how amazing that is that they played yeah. a Super Bowl on their home field. Like it all gets dwarfed by the Bucs won a Super Bowl, but the whole right. idea that right. this happened right here and that for forever we've talked about, like, you know, no team has ever won a game on their home And Now we don't say that anymore. Now they're going to say, no, the Bucs Super Bowl 55 did it. Um, and maybe it'll happen again in the next year or two. Maybe. LA will win it next year or maybe the, the Raiders will win it a couple of years or something, but uh, no, absolutely surreal. And, and as it happened, even um, it was such a strange thing to, to process. And as they had that lead, you had that, like, I are they going to, are they going to do this? They're going to yeah. win the Bowl? Yeah. And and it's just, you know, every time they stopped the chiefs, it was like, wow, they did it again. Wow. They'd have to, all right, hold on. They'd have to, they'd have to score three more times now. Yeah. And it happened. Yeah, and again, it's, it's neat. And right. again, for, you guys have been there as long as I have. And then some to, to see it for the guys like Levante and Will Golston and Mike Evans that have uh, fought through so much. And you've talked to them so many times about, Hey, sorry about the loss and what went wrong. And what do you guys got to do to fix this? To have, to have them have that moment where they're just giddy out of their minds and hugging their dads and their kids and their wives and, Um, it was like this with the lightning and the boat parade and that it's so cool to get to see people on the happiest days of their professional life. And and, when we haven't had that with them uh, for a long time. So it was really neat to see. And and you're really happy for everybody involved for that. Could you have
0: imagined the the magnitude if the Buccaneers would have lost, they would have lost in their own (sighs) stadium. That would have been crushing home defeat. Right. Now, thankfully, (laughs) You know, we're 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 playing hypothetical games because it didn't happen. They they won the game. But could you imagine having to take the field in twenty twenty one at home, whenever the home opener is, knowing that every time you lost the most important game yeah. of your career at
1: home. No, like every time you're in that stadium, you know, yes. like you, you look over yeah. that corner and that's that's where the other team got the Lombardi trophy after they beat us on our home field. Like I, I would I would never be able to remove that from my mind. You couldn't yeah. just enjoy a home game. Oh, yeah, great. Home, Bram James Stadium. No, it's like this. Yeah, we, we were the only this team that had a chance to win a Super Bowl. Right? Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. No, That's it's really, like I said, for that, I, and I think that had to be a motivation. Like, as much as there was that motivation to win a Super Bowl, it's like you don't want to let a team come into your house and take a Super Bowl on your home field. And they yeah. said that. I mean, yeah. it was like, you know, you heard yeah. Devin White before the game, and he's like, you know, seriously, like, you don't want that to happen. Right. right. All right. So final question for you, and we appreciate
0: your time. Of course, when you, when you look at, at some of these coaches that have been hired in this cycle, right? Dan Campbell with Detroit, David Culley with Houston, um, Nick Sirianni in in Philadelphia, and you know, and, and, and you've got uh, an Eric B. you've got a Todd Bowles, maybe a Byron Leftwich that, that are on teams that have that have had a really damn good year, right? Obviously, they're in the Super Bowl for B. It's two Super Bowls in a row. And and these teams don't have the patience to wait. Yeah. I, re- I remember back in two thousand two, John Lynch being interviewed at the Pro Bowl, which was in February after the Super Bowl, and and, and you know in the two thousand it was two thousand three the calendar year after the or, yeah two thousand two the calendar year uh, after the two thousand one season Tony Dungy had gotten fired. And, and he was, was being asked about the coaching thing. And, and he was like, yeah, this is really embarrassing. It's February. We don't have a head coach, right? But then a couple of days later, the Gruden trade happened. And John Gruden didn't become the Buccaneers head coach in 2002 until mid-February, like right before Valentine's Day.
1: Yeah,
0: And look how, how that turned out. So um, do you think that maybe the Eagles, the Texans, the Lions, maybe some of these other places are going to have some regrets about not waiting for a bulls or a B enemy or, or a left, which.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, right now, I mean, again, maybe these guys wowed interviews, I don't know, but like in, in Sirianni and Cully and Campbell, I, I, I'm not that impressed by what I've seen. You know, right. there's just a very limited amount of, of success. There's not a ton of time as a coordinator even. Yeah. Um, and not that you need to have that. There's definitely guys that have made the leap to a head coach and done great. But yeah, I mean, if you if you line their resume up with the enemy or with Bowles, it's much less proven. Um, You know, I think to some extent, you know, Bowles, the fact that he's been a head coach sometimes works against him. I think people probably say, oh, well, he had a chance there. That wasn't necessarily an ideal scenario with the Jets. Um, But for the Bucs to not only have won a Super Bowl, but to return your staff almost intact. I I think that goes such a long way toward the continuity you need not only player continuity, but coaching continuity to, to okay. be able to pull off a repeat. And, and Bruce, Bruce said it best. I mean, Bruce is 68 years old. He said the last thing he wants to do is coach coaches. So yeah. he's got everything in place. I mean, not, not that Beneficial he isn't gonna have bus. his hands in things, uh, but but I mean, in terms of him being at a level of success and a level of delegation that allows him to kind of be a CEO head coach and trust his coordinators, it's great because it develops them. And if, if the Bucks have another year like they have this year, Todd Bowles and Byron Left, which are going to be out in front as absolute the best head coaching candidates that will be out there. And, and it won't happen again the next time around. Um, and then and then if you're well, going to
2: have
0: a situation where one of those guys becomes the replacement for right. Arians, I would imagine after two Super Bowls, he's probably off to Lake Oconee. You know,
1: if you want another one, I think you would yeah. go out on top. Absolutely. And that's yeah. wild, too, because. You know, if, if you get to keep one of those, in theory, you have a better chance of keeping the assistance because if, if Bowles goes somewhere, one of his line, one of his position coaches will be his defensive coordinator. If Leftwich goes somewhere, he's going to take assistance with him. So that, that's also the best way to kind of keep uh, the core of this coaching staff is to promote from within and have that transition that I'm sure Bruce Arians had in mind when, when he took this job.
0: Well, listen, we've certainly have had you uh, on for about 45 minutes. We appreciate your time very much, Greg. Thank you so much for for, uh, you know, all of your excellence and Bucks reporting. And he is a must follow when it comes to Twitter. Uh, What's your handle, Greg? It's it's pretty easy to remember.
1: It is. It's just my name. It's just G.R.E.G.A.U.M.A.N. There's no underscore. There's no multiple underscore. There's no period. It's just my name. And That's we love your
2: music over the years, too. I mean, thank you, Mark, for making just, a Greg Almond joke. Yeah, I, I, you, know, you know, we're going to use Greg Almond, uh, some Almond Brothers music for the. Uh, for I like the, the, the like, bumper music, posters. though.
1: When I get it now, maybe it's because he's passed, but it's it's almost cooler now when you get like Rambling Man as an intro yeah. or on the radio or something like that. I, I don't yeah. mind that at all. That, that <laughs> Man.
0: And listen, Buccaneer fans, computer report readers, and listeners, uh, and viewers, uh, get your copy of Champa Bay. It's the new book by Greg Allman and Joey Johnston with a Ford by Rondé Barber. It's a great collectible to commemorate the Buccaneers Super Bowl 55 win. Available at Triumph Books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Makes a great gift for yourself or uh, the loved one in your life who's a big Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. So Never too hey, right, late
2: yeah. to make up for Valentine's Day. If, if it didn't quite do enough for her, get her a yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. a book about football. Good idea. <laughs> and uh and and we we'll, we're still waiting on our advanced copies, but um you know. i am sure you guys sure, copies. I, I sure have, I have like a whole man. box. I have to figure out the best way to ship these things. I haven't done it yet. My, I'll, my I'll I'll my mom and, and dad are waiting too okay
1: absolutely yeah no thank you guys very much
0: celsius we want some personalized autographed copies how about
1: that yes. uh, I, absolutely joey and i had this thing where we were trying to see who would we both we knew we were getting like our boxes in the mail which is super cool but we were also like trying to figure out who would find it first so we had lunch on the line like whoever found the book <laughs> in stores was getting it first so i, I had it was funny because like the, i forget what day it came out saturday i guess I hadn't I hadn't really gone out and looked anywhere, but I was in like a CBS and I was picking up her shirt, So I was like, I'll check there. And it wasn't there. And I was a little bit too far north. I'm, I'm in loot. So I'm a little bit on the fringe of what they count as Tampa. And right. then Joey <laughs> sent me a, a text that it was like he found it. Um, he founded a CVS online boss. I was like, Oh man. So I stopped and I, I found it at a CVS at Ehrlich and I hadn't got the box yet. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, you have to buy it just so you can of take course. it home. <laughs> so I spent 15 bucks on my own book, um, <laughs> got it and came home and the box was at the front door, uh, with that there. So now I have one extra, but That's uh, I, I will send you guys your copies with beautiful heartfelt messages, uh, inscribed in the front. I promise. Excellent. Greg Allman
0: from The Athletic, the author of Champa Bay. We appreciate your time. And uh, for all Buccaneer fans out there, we're going to be back tomorrow. Myself and John Ledyard are going to be on talking about my Buck seven-round mock draft that came out a week ago tomorrow and his new NFL first-round mock draft that came out today. So it's going to be a mock draft discussion on Wednesday's Peter Report podcast for our special guest Greg Allman and Mark Cook. I'm Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you again tomorrow for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. Out.